like that? I hope so. It's interesting because in this next story about in the life of Abraham, it's really not about Abraham. It's about someone that he really, really trusted. And someone that he needed help from. If you're in your Bible, we're looking at Genesis chapter 24 today. Last week, Abraham said goodbye to Sarah that he loved so deeply. And now he's facing one last crisis in life that concerns him. So in Genesis chapter 24, it says this, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in his years. We know that he was at least older than 142 years at this point. Okay? So I guess he's had his ARP card quite a while. Okay? (coughs) And the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. This is the thing that I love talking to the older saints about. So how, how, how do you think God's doing? Oh, God has been so good to me. Uh, When I really look at my life, I I feel blessed in so many different things. But he did have one concern. And so he got with his favorite servant. Now, we do not know the name of his servant. So from this point on, he will be just known as Abraham's servant. That is his name. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge over all that he had. Now, I'm thinking this guy isn't very young either. Okay, we're not talking probably some guy in his 30s, you know, that just kind of worked his way up through the system. We're talking about someone that he really trusted. In fact, he trusted him so much that he was in charge of everything. But Abraham has a new responsibility for him today. Put your hand under my thigh that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth. Now, I've never had anybody do this, Um, but this basically was almost like saying, if you don't do what I'm asking, your family line will be cursed. That's kind of what this is saying. So this was a pretty serious thing. That you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell but you will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. So basically, he gave him a new job. His job was supposed to be the matchmaker. And he didn't want a Canaanite woman, which makes sense because we can get into detail, but he was creating a distinctive people with Abraham, not just people that were mixed from the local people. And so he said, I want you to go back to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. Because he has a good relationship with the servant, the servant responds like this. The servant said to him, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I then take your son back to the land from which you came? <coughs> and so he, he's a practical man. He's in charge of everything and he says, Okay, here's the deal. What if she doesn't want to go? Do I take him back there? Because obviously what you're saying to me is you don't want my, your son, Isaac, to have a Canaanite wife. You want her to be from your kindred. <coughs> so 
here's the problem. What if she won't do it? And here's my solution. I'll just take them back, and we'll find someone there. Abraham said to him, See that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. In other words, he's saying, wait, no, 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 no. The goal isn't, we're not going back, we're not going back to where we were. God has called me to this place. This is our chosen place. This is where we're at. We're not looking back. We're not going to talk about the good old days. We're not going to say it was better somewhere else. We are looking forward, and my son needs a wife, but she, he needs to be here. He was having conviction about this. But it's interesting what he said. But he will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son from there. Now, it's interesting what he's saying here, because Abram has had angels visit him, hasn't he, before? And he's saying, look, this is really about the promises. Remember the promises? Genesis chapter 12, I will make a nation and a people. This is Now, God wasn't just going to be really good to me and then go, well, that was a neat idea, but, you know, with the second generation, it just went to, it just isn't going to work. No. He says, this is going to work, and because this is going to work, and because I've seen God do amazing things. Remember, I was 100 years old when I had Isaac, okay? Kind of an amazing thing. Remember how God protected us as a people, He's done amazing things. He's going to send his angel, and he's going to keep being faithful. And I think this is a really good message for all of us to hear. God doesn't stop being faithful one day. God doesn't, he isn't faithful and take you so far and then go, well, you're on your own now. Hope you figure things out. No. God doesn't leave us somewhere. There isn't an all of a sudden exit says, God exits here. God is faithful to the end. God will always see it through. I think that that's so important for us to know because there are some people that have a really good beginning to their faith and it's awesome. And then they get to the middle of their faith and they forget that the God who was faithful at the beginning is still faithful. And they, they, they face new drama and new things in life and all of a sudden they go, well, God, I don't know what happened. You've probably talked to those people before, haven't you? Well, you know, I, ha I had a really good relationship with God. And then, and they make it sound like God messed up. But Abraham had confidence. And so he told his servant, I want you to go to get a wife. Okay? So this is how he responds. He says, but if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. Okay? This is really seriously, I'm making you take an oath. I'm not just, this isn't one of those, hey, by the way, you know, the, the two pickups, they need to be moved to the other lot. It's not that kind of thing. Hey, by the way, uh, I, I want us to, to, to grow more wheat than corn this year. Hey, by the way, um, I, I think that one camel needs to be sold because he's looking a little goofy. It's not that kind of a thing. This isn't an oh, by the way, in you leading. This is serious. This is serious what I'm asking you to do. 
I think there are certain times in our lives that God comes into our life and he says something, this is what I want you to do, this is how I want you to do it, and God is being a little more serious. Have you ever had those serious moments with God? When he said, this is the way I want you to go, go ye in it. And we go, well, God, you know. This is serious. So there was a release clause. So the Abraham... But the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore concerning the matter. Then the servant took ten of the master's camels and departed, taking all sorts of good gifts from his master. And he rose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor. And that I put in there, that's not actually in the Bible, but that's 450 miles. Okay? A good day on a camel is about 35 miles. So this was not a small journey that he went on with these camels to this other place. And he made the camels kneel down outside the city by the well of the water at the time of the evening, the time when women go to draw water. So basically, he's at the gas station now, okay? But he doesn't have his credit card with him. And he's hoping for some help here. Now listen to what he says next. And he said, O Lord, God of my master Abraham, please grant me success today and show me steadfast and show steadfast love to my master Abraham. Now I like the word steadfast love here. I don't usually go into the original language very often, but this is one of my favorite Old Testament words. Hasid. Steadfast love. Another person calls it God's loyal love. I, I love that term. God's loyal love. He basically looks and he says, you know, you know, he doesn't even talk about him being his own God. He just says, you know, you are my master's God. And will you show your loyal love to him today by giving me success? Hmm. You know, there are certain times I think that we pray and we pray this. Dear God, would you do this not just because it's something I want or it's something that I would prefer, but I want people to see your absolutely incredible loyal love to people. <laughs> Behold, I am standing by the spring of the water, and the daughters of the men of the city are coming to draw water. Let the woman whom I say, please let down your jar that I may drink, and will say, drink, and I will water your camels. Let her be the one whom you have appointed for your son Isaac, your servant Isaac. And so he, he's very specific. He says, okay, here's the deal, God. Here's what I want you to do. I got all the camels here. They're ready. Okay? They're ready for a fill-up. And I'm going to ask one of these young ladies for a drink of water. And not only will she give me a drink of water, but she will give all the camels a drink of water. I think it's an interesting thing that a servant would ask. He's basically saying, God, I want you to give a woman that's kind of aware of what's going on around her. Okay? 
She's going to see this guy, this Abraham servant guy. I'm sure he's a little covered with dust. He looks like he's been traveling. He's going to have his, the other servants with him. They're going to have camels. They should be noticed, right? But have you ever met the people that are totally unaware of everything that's going on around them? Have you met those people? They just kind of come in and they do their thing and they leave and they're completely unaware of anything that's going on. We call these children, okay? You know, but you know those people that are like that, right? You've, you've met those people. He is praying for something very specific. I'm looking for a woman who's aware of what's going on. <laughs> so, by this I shall know that you have shown your steadfast love to my master. It's all about this loyal love. You know, you made a promise to my master. You said you were going to make him a great country. Well, so far we have one member of that country. His name is Isaac. But for this to work, Isaac's got to have some kids. You know? Or it's going to be a very short-lived nation. You know? Verse 15. Before he had finished speaking, behold, Rebekah, who was born to Bethuel, the son of Melchah, the wife of Naor, Abraham's brother, came out with her water jar on her shoulder. Huh. It's interesting that if you go back to Genesis chapter 22, we didn't read the verses because they weren't relevant to the story two weeks ago. At the end, there's kind of a by the way, and it basically says what was going on in Abraham's family back in Haran. And it listed this young lady named Rebekah. It goes on and it says, The woman was very attractive in appearance, a maiden with no, whom no man had been known. She went down to the spring and filled her jar and came up. And the servant ran to meet her and said, Please give me a little water to drink from your jar. She said, Drink, my lord. And she quickly let down her jar upon her, he her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him a drink, she said, I will draw water for your camels also until they have finished drinking. Wow. So she quickly emptied her jar into the trough and ran again to the well to draw water, and she drew for all his camels. And the man gazed at her in silence to learn whether the Lord had prospered his journey or not. You know, at this point, what do you think he's thinking? Did that just really happen? You know? Did that really take place? You know, I think there are times that we expect God to do something, and then he does it, and our first response is, did you really do that? Did that really happen? Verse 22. When the camels had finished drinking, the man took a gold ring weighing about a half shekel and two bra bracelets for her arms weighing 10 shekels and said please let me tell me whose daughter you are is there any room in your father's house for us to spend the night wow <coughs> the next verse tells us she said i am the daughter of bethuel the son of melchah whom she born to nahor wow she added we have plenty of both straw and fodder and room to spend the night. 
And so she offered hospitality just not to him, but to ten camels and to all the servants. The man bowed his head and worshipped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast, his loyal Hasid, his steadfast love, and his faithfulness towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me in the way to the house of my master's kinsman. See, the angel did lead him, didn't it? He ended up exactly in the right place. Now, there's still some issues that have to take place, aren't there? But this is an amazing story of the fact of this is something, I, I want us to hear this because I think this is really important. God's, promise, God's providence and God's promises work in the everyday issues of your life. Okay? Abraham's everyday issue was Isaac was 37 years old and he didn't have a wife yet. Kind of a concern. I mean, he says, I mean, he's got till he's 90 before she would have a baby, so we, we got time, you know? But I'm sure that Sarah and Abraham had a lot of discussions about, do you think he was ever going to find a wife? Do you think he's ever going to be in his own tent? You ever think he's going to get on with life? But it's interesting that the thing that the servant speaks of again and again is God's loyal love and his faithfulness. Do you ever have those moments where all of a sudden you experience God's seed and the only thing that you need to know to do is go, wow, and then you worship him? I can remember Grace needing a car. And, and she's talking to me. She says, Dad, how much money do you think we should spend on a car? And I said, I think we should probably spend about $3,500 on a car. Let's start praying about it. I'm walking home from the church. This guy comes up to me and goes, you're the pastor at the Baptist church, aren't you? And I go, yes. You see this car here? I need to sell it. Been thinking about offering $3,500 for it. God's loyal love to my daughter Grace. A seed taking place at that moment. And all of us have a hundred stories that we can tell like that. How God just steps in in exactly the right moment and does exactly what He does. And those moments help us worship. In fact, sometimes as you sing the songs that we sing here on Sunday morning, they wash over you. And you're reminded of God's incredible faithfulness to each one of us. So what does he do? Then the woman ran and told her mother's household about these things. She did. She goes, wow, weird experience. Met this guy, not sure who he was, fed his camels. He gave me jewelry. Can he stay? <laughs> yeah. Rebecca had a brother whose name was Laban, and we're going to get to know Laban over the next couple chapters. Laban ran out towards the man to the spring. As soon as he saw the ring and the bracelets on his sister's arms and heard the words of his sister, Rebecca, his sister, thus the man spoke to me, 
he went to the man, and behold, he was standing by the camels at the spring. He said, Come, O blessed of the Lord, why do you stand outside? For I have prepared the house and a place for your camels. Doesn't this remind you of something? <clears throat> In the New Testament, Jesus tells us to come because I've prepared a place for you. You know, I, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I want you to know that God has a place for you. And His Son died on the cross for you so you could be in relationship. God already created a way for you. But you need to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Because God has a way for you. But in the same way Laban said, come, the Spirit of God might be saying to you today, come, I have a place for you. My son died for you. You can have relationship with me. You can be a part of my promise. So the man came to the house and unharnessed the camels and gave straw and fodder to the camels, and there was water to wash his feet and the feet of the men who were with him. Then food was set before him to eat, but he said, I will not eat until I have said what I have to say. He said, and Laban said, speak on. So I, I cannot even imagine what is going on in the Abraham servant. You know, he's like, you know, I knew God was going to be faithful. Or I knew he was going to send an angel. And I can't believe what just happened. The very first girl I met. And it was amazing. And, and she did exactly what the Lord said. And it's just amazing. And now I'm in this house. It happens to be the kinsman of Abraham. I cannot believe this is happening. And now they put food in front of me. Wait, I got I to gotta tell people what's going on first. I mean, the food, it's not that the food didn't look good. It's just, I've I got to tell you what's going on first. I think that there are sometimes, I hope in every one of our stories, there's a spillover in our lives. I get together with Sandy every once in a while, and we do the spillover of our lives back and forth, and, and we, we just got things that we got to say to each other. And that's where the servant was at. Sometimes God steps in such a way and all we want to do is we don't want to eat and we don't want to wait. We just want to talk about what's taken place. Now, the thing about this is, uh, what I find really interesting is every one of us tells stories different ways, but whoever wrote this chapter is a detail person, okay? Because they never say, please refer to the verses before. They tell every detail all over again. And that's what he does. He says, I am Abraham's servant. The Lord has greatly blessed my master, and he has become great. He's given him flocks and herds, silver and gold, male servants and female servants, camels and donkeys. And Sarah, my master's wife, bore a son to my master when she was old, and to him he has given all that he has. And that's the list from before. He gets all that stuff. <clears throat> my master made me swear, saying, You shall not take a wife from my son from the daughters of the Canaanites in this, whose land I dwell, but you will go to my father's house and to my clan to take a wife for my son. And I said to my master, Perhaps the woman will not follow me. But he said to me, The Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. You shall take a wife for my son, for my clan, and for my father's house. Then you will be free from my oath when you come to my clan. 
And if they will not give her to you, you will be free from that oath. Now, I think he gave them too much information there. I have come today to the spring and I said, O oh Lord, the God of my master Abraham, if now you are prospering the way that I go, behold, I am standing by the spring. Let the virgin who comes to draw water, to whom I shall say, please give me a little water from your jar to drink, and whom I will say, drink, and who will say to me, drink, and I will draw from your camels also. Let her be the woman whom the Lord has appointed for my master's son. A little bit of pressure on Rebecca at this point, huh? I just gave him some water. Before I had finished speaking, in my heart, behold, Rebecca came out with her water jug on her shoulders, and she went down to spring and drew water. And I said to her, please let me drink. And she quickly drew her jar from her shoulder and said, drink, and I will give your camels to drink also. So I drank, and she gave me the camels to drink also. Then I asked her, whose daughter are you? And she said, the daughter of Bethuel, Nahor's son, whom Malachi bore to him. So I put the ring in her nose and the bracelets on her arms. Now, I had to struggle as a father a little bit here. <laughs> then I bowed my head and worshiped the Lord and blessed the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who led me by the right way to take the daughter of my master's kinsman for his son. Now, if you're going to show steadfast love and faithfulness to my master, tell me. If not, tell me that I may turn to the right or to the left. Okay, he's like, this is my story and I need an answer right now. This is what I'm thinking. This is what happened. I, I mean, this is one really long sentence. Hey, you've met this guy before who's so excited that he just keeps on talking and talking and barely taking a breath. Verse 15. Then Laban and Bethuel answered and said, the thing has come from the Lord. We cannot speak to you bad or good. They're like, whoa, this has got to be from the Lord. This isn't just a quinky dink. This isn't just, it didn't come over that way. This is amazing. Verse 51, behold, Rebekah is before you. Take her and go. Let her be the wife of your master's son as the Lord has spoken. Wow. But you know what? When God is on the move, there is no hesitation by any of the parties. When God is doing his thing in a way that only God can do these things, there is this sense of this is just all coming together. Verse 52. When Abraham's servant heard their words, he bowed himself to the earth before the Lord. And the servant brought out jewelry, silver and gold, garments, and gave them to Rebekah. He also gave her brother and her mother many costly ornaments. And he and the men who were with him ate and drank, and they spent the night. When they rose in the morning... He said, send me away to my master. He's like, dude, I'm done. I did it. We're ready to go. Now, at this point, every family here does what is normal. Her brother and her mother said, let the young lady remain with us a while, at least 10 days, and after that, she may go. It's like... What's the big rush? Let, let's just, you know, we already said yes. Let, let, let's have a long goodbye here. 
verse 56. He said to them, Do not delay me, since the Lord has prospered my way. Send me away that I may go to my master. He's like, no, no. We're, we need to leave now. I, I need to go tell the story there. We need to leave now. And it goes on, they said, let us call the young woman and ask her. And I can about imagine the mother looking at the young daughter and she goes, now this man would like to leave now. But it's completely okay with us if you just want to stay a couple days and say goodbye to all your cousins and go visit your rabbits. And, you know, all, you know just you can about imagine the conversation that went on. And they called Rebecca and said to her, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go. You see, we need to understand that sometimes more than one thing is taking place at the same time. In the same way God was working in the servant, Abraham's servant, to do what he was doing. God was working in the heart of a young lady so that she was ready to do what she was supposed to do. God was already in the midst of this story. God is already in the midst of the story. Young people, this is something you need to hear. The first time I ever heard this, when I was teaching um, kids in public schools, I was blown away by the thought. But the person that you are going to marry is alive right now unless they're very, 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 very young. Think about that. Young men. The person that you are going to marry is alive right now. Camille, your husband is alive right now. You know, when I, was, when I was five years old, Nancy's family drove through Minot, North Dakota, and stopped at the park where there was a little zoo downtown called Roosevelt Park. And they had a picnic next to the Dutch windmill that was there. And when I was dating Nancy... And we were a little further on in a relationship. Nancy's father said, yeah, we've been to the town you live in. And he pulls this picture out. Now, when I was five years old, my parents didn't get me up that morning going, Jimmy, time to get up. Time to get up. We're going to go to the park and meet your wife. <laughs> but she was already alive. She was already 15 days older than me at that point. A lot of the things that you deal with in life, a lot of the, the partners that you need in ministry, a lot of the people that need to be a part of your life, they are already there right now. And God had already set Rebecca up to be ready to say yes to Abraham's servant. Isn't that amazing? You see, there was a lot more going on than we can ever imagine. When, when in chapter 22, they mentioned these names kind of randomly about what was going on still in Nahor, I was just like, well, this is kind of random. No, this was to remind us that even though our whole focus in Scripture right now is in Canaan, God is still at work in other places, working out all the details of all the things that we need in life. God is faithful to bigger things than we can even imagine. Wow. So they went away, Rebecca, her sister, their sister, her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men, and they blessed Rebecca and said to her, "O sister, 
May you become thousands of ten thousands, and may your offspring possess the gate of those who hate them. Wow. Kind of an interesting blessing in light of the fact that she would be the mother, one of the mothers of the nation of Israel. <laughs> wow. Then Rebekah and her young woman arose and rode on the camels and followed the men for 450 miles. Thus the servant took Rebekah and went his way. Now Isaac had returned from Ber Lehoi and was dwelling in Negev. And Isaac went out to mediate in the field towards even, meditate in the field towards evening, and he lifted his eyes and saw, and behold, there were camels coming. And Rebekah lifted her eyes, and when she saw Isaac, she dismounted from the camel and said to the servant, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? The servant said, It is my master. So she took her veil and covered herself, and the servant told Isaac all the things that he had done. Then Isaac brought her into the tent of Sarah, his mother, and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Wow. Quite a story, isn't it? So, what do we take away from this? I, I think the first thing that we need to take away from this is this. Maybe nothing. Okay. I think, first of all, um, I encourage all of you as parents to ask this question. What convictions, convictions should we have for the mates of our children? Uh, I think God's Word speaks to this. Abraham's had some convictions. God calls us to have some convictions. I pray for the mysterious women and men that my children are going to marry all the time. You know, I pray that they love God more than my children do. I pray that they walk with the Lord in ways that I can't even imagine. But I think that we need to be praying for our children and we need to tell them that we're praying for them. And we need to say, these are the kinds of things that mommy and daddy are going to find it easier to bless. I think that that's one of the things that is a principle from this. The second thing is, Abraham's servants saw God as having steadfast love in verses 12, 26, and 49. How would people describe your God? Abraham's servant lived with him probably, he's probably in his 120s, okay? Been with him a real long time. And he'd seen God's love. What do people say about our God by just watching our lives? What, what do they think about our God by just watching us? I think it's an interesting question. But not only that, but what do, what do we think about our God? What do we say of our God? How do we feel about our God? And the last thing is, I, I just think it's so cool to see God's providence and promises are worked out in the details of life. And just a simple thing, my son needs a wife, you know? And how will God show himself to be faithful and loyal to you 
in the details of your life? Like what, what, what's one area right now that you would like to see God be faithful in and, and Him work? And, and are you looking for how He's working? We, we've had one or two situations in Nancy and I lately where we've just said, wow, I can see God's on the move. Uh, I'm looking for where God is at work instead of what I need to do and how I need to work. Because God constantly is going before us and is wedding things together in a way that only He can do that. And He's working out the details even in the craziest things in life. Let's pray. God, I don't know what Your people need to hear today. I don't know how You're speaking to them. But I am thankful for Your loyal love for how you work out the details. I pray for our kids, for those who are unwed today, and I I pray, God, that you would help them find people that love you even more than they do, that you would provide and create godly households out of the children of this church. And God, in in the crazy circumstances of our life and the details that we're just not sure how they're going to work out or what they're going to look like. But we ask today, God, we ask today that Your angel would go before us and that we would see amazing things and we would be brought to worship because You will show us one more time how in a surgery that's going to take place, how in the end of a life that's taking place, how in the, in the going to college, in, the, in working out contracts, how in being married and, or being single or dealing with the dramas that come to life, that you are showing yourself that you are the God who is a seed. And that we will see your loyal love and the crazy details of our individual lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to ask the prayer counselors to come so that we can pray with you if there's something we can pray with you. And let's, let's end this service in response back to God by worshiping Him together.